Let's turn together in our Bibles to Revelation 19. If you're new today, we have been going through uh, Revelation for some time now, and our senior pastor, uh, John Batuzzi, recently led us through the entirety of uh, Revelation 19. But we're coming back today uh, to prepare for the Lord's table by looking very narrowly and briefly at verses 9 and 10. Uh, I want to consider today the greatest wedding reception ever. And it's important for us to come back and reflect on these things because we often fail to live in life. We, we struggle to believe that life is worth centering around this upcoming great feast. Whenever we get a uh, wedding invitation, we will put that up in some prominent position on our refrigerator. And so we, we pass by the refrigerator daily. We're reminded by uh, that announcement that we're centering our life around this event. We have even turned down play dates uh, with our kids and other kids because we wanted to make sure that our family could attend uh, this wedding and this great wedding reception. So sometimes we stroll to believe that, that life is worth centering around this great wedding reception particularly as it relates to our pursuit of sin and giving into temptation. Is it really worth it to say no? Because after all, this event is so far in the future, it seems. For others, like me, sometimes we, our struggle related to that is, how could I be a guest? I, I struggle to believe that God would actually want me there at that event. And so it's good to come back to passages like this uh, that speak of this great event and God's greatness in calling sinners like us uh, to this great wedding reception. So uh, we'll read this as we go along and we'll pray before we do. Let's, let's pause again and ask for God's blessing on his word as we come to it. Father, we thank you for your words and we thank you, Father, for the gift of your spirit. Lord, we need him. There's a lot on our minds and our hearts, and we need your spirit, Lord, to help us to, to block those things out and to, to listen well, to understand well. At the same time, Lord, those things that occupy our, our hearts and our minds, those things that uh, are temptations or, or reasons to, that we think are reasons to worry, Lord, we commit those things to you because your son prayed that you would sanctify your people. You would transform us by your truth, and we pray he would do that. Lord, I, I am weak, and I am in need of your spirit to help me to be able to explain your word. Father, as we think about uh, your word going forth in Asia, and we, we pray for your ongoing blessing for our brother and uh, our sister and their family. Father, we pray that you would also bless your words that goes forward here today, that if there's anyone here that does not know you, Lord, today would be that day where you draw them uh, to Christ. So, Lord, we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So think about uh, this great wedding uh, reception before us, the greatest ever. It's helpful to think about the big picture. We won't, can't get into all those details of the context, but just to remind us about what's going on here in Revelation. And as I thought about this context, I was reminded of one of my seminary professors when he was a pastor uh, of a particular wedding that he oversaw. It reminds me of this context. 
there was a family in his church that was particularly affluent. They had one child, a daughter. And when it came time uh, for her wedding day, uh, the father and, and the mother were so excited about this event that they held what, at that time for my professor, was the greatest wedding reception ever. This family had a palatial home. They were going to invite a great multitude of guests over for this reception. And behind their home was acre after acre after acre of undeveloped, beautiful forest land, all these beautiful trees. Well, to make sure that everyone could come and enjoy this great reception, the father spared no expense. And he brought in all these crews and they uprooted acres of trees and lay down an asphalt parking lot to accommodate this great multitude. And then after this great banquet uh, came a new creation. The father later had another crew come in, tear up that asphalt, and lay down new sod and plant new trees. And that's sort of what's going on here in Revelation 19. The verse is proceeding. God is uprooting things that would otherwise uh, obstruct the great celebration, this reception. In this case, he's uprooting the wicked. And as Pastor John has been showing us recently, um, this is all leading to a new creation. This is our great hope. And so let's, as we think about the verses before us, uh, verses 9 and 10, what I'll do is I'll, I'll read verse 9, the first part of verse 10, and we'll come back to the uh, additional part of, of verse 10 later. But as we think about why this is so great, it's great, first of all, because God calls great sinners to attend. And by when I say great sinners, I mean that as uh, people of, of prior generations said, we are great sinners because we sin greatly. We commit great offenses against God and others. So let's, let's pick up in verse 9. This is God's word. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. There's a lot of things that we could pull out and talk about why it's a blessing to be called, to be invited to this, this great feast. This idea of being blessed, in general terms, it means happiness. This is an occasion of great happiness. But in Scripture, blessed normally means that we are happy because we have received God's favor. That's exactly what's happening here because God's calling people that don't deserve to be there. Notice that after... John hears this great announcement. He falls down in worship. He's so overwhelmed as he thinks about all the visions that he has seen. All these visions of opposition and strife against the church. And he's given this vision of this great wedding reception of the Lamb. And it's understandable in light of this great news, no more wicked people. Just God and his people. That, that rightly moves him to worship. And that's our, our great hope today is as we come and we reflect on this, it would move us to worship too. But notice 
what John does is he responds to worship. He falls down to worship the angel, the messenger who brought him this message. Now, we know John is a believer. He's one of the inner circle of Jesus' apostles. He writes five books of the New Testament. He's not an idolater. He's a believer. And yet, he falls down out of joy and, and worship to give worship to this angel. Now, Scripture speaks frequently about unintentional sins or unknown sins. And John would never set out intentionally to worship anyone besides the triune God. And so perhaps here he's confused. He thinks this is perhaps the glorified, risen Jesus that we see in chapter 1. Whatever the issue is, though, what he is doing here is sinful. In fact, later in this chapter 19, we're told about those engaged in false worship are cut off from God. And this is why this great wedding reception is so great. is because God calls people like John who blow it badly. God wants people like this to be at the wedding reception of the Lamb. And the mention of the Lamb here is so important because this reminds us the very first time that the word Lamb is applied to Jesus in chapter 5 where that great multitude and singing that Jesus says, you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people from every people group to belong to God. Christ paid for our sins. He prayed for this amazing sin of John, this great sin that John commits that's paid for. And John openly has admitted to us he's a sinner like us. Yes, he's a spirit-inspired apostle. But what did he tell us at the very beginning? What we've seen in our call to worship? Jesus is the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. John is right there with us in need of the ongoing greatness of God's redeeming love. This past week, several of us were in Memphis for uh, the PCA's General Assembly. And while I was there, I, I was blessed to be able to connect over barbecue with one of my longtime friends from high school um, who lives in Memphis. And we were talking about uh, his own wedding from almost 30 years ago. And I was in that wedding, and, and there was a situation at the rehearsal dinner. We had it at the church, and uh, a lady in the community broke in during, uh, or came into the church during that reception or that dinner and stole about five purses uh, from people uh, who were there. And, and that uh, understandably put a great damper on the joy of that evening. And there was some backstory with this woman and her connection with the church, but she showed up the next day. They didn't see her do it, but she showed up the next day asking for money after the wedding as we were about to go to this great wedding reception. And the ladies who had their purses stolen went to her and, and took her aside and, and tried to talk with her and, and talk about their concern for her. She wanted nothing to do with that. This is what God has done for us. He's called people like us thieves, people who steal his glory, seek to steal his glory. 
That's the kind of people that God wants. Those that have harmed him, who have rejected his son, he calls us to come to be the bride and to attend this great wedding reception. Now we think about John's uh, amazing sin here, what he commits. And to be sure, I doubt that anyone, well, no one here will receive a revelation for an angel. So we, we're pretty much sure that none of us will have this temptation. And so it might, if you're struggling with sin today and, and you have blown it badly this week, perhaps even on the way to church, your thought life, things you've said, some decisions you're really convicted over this morning that you made in the past week. It's important to come back to John's situation because it is quite relevant. We will never relish anyone's sinning, but we're grateful that God has given us in Scripture these examples of even godly people like John blowing it badly. Here's the connection for us. On the very last page of our Bible, in the last chapter, John does the same thing again. He receives one final revelation, and even though he's been corrected, we'll see, he does it again. It's amazing. How can this be? But God is great. He, he wants us to see these are the kind of people that I'm calling to be part of this great reception. Here we can relate to John and committing the same sins again and struggling. In John's case here, there's this one that's recorded for us for generations to reflect on. And I'm like John, I, I commit some of the same sins again. Think of, we, in our family dynamics, we've talked about, uh, sometimes there's, uh, petty bickering that takes place in our family. And, and my response to that, uh, is, as at times, one of overreaction, where I lose my composure with, uh, those bickering in my house. And I'm reminded there, my concern in those situations is not so much for the spiritual well-being of those engaged in that sin as much as it is for the idol of my own peace and quiet. So I'm committing multiple sins there. And we can laugh at that, but, but there are other sins we could talk about in our lives that are, are deeper and more concerning than that. But not to dismiss that either. And that's why we need to be reminded that that uh, people like John, people like us, as we struggle with these uh, ongoing sins, even those that we commit inadvertently, God doesn't cast us away. He doesn't revoke our invitation to this great feast. So we've seen so far that this wedding reception is great because God calls great sinners. Uh, but now, secondly, I want us to see that this wedding reception is great because God does not let the guests remain in their sin. Let's go back to verse 10. And I, I won't read the very last part just for the sake of time, but uh, it says, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. We might understand why John might be moved to worship. Again, it Maybe he's thinking this is the risen Jesus. C.S. Lewis, you remember, famously said, if we were to see what we would look like in glory in the resurrected state, we would likely be tempted to worship 
a resurrected human being. But notice that even though, yes, God calls great sinners, he's not content to let us remain that sin. The angel tells John, you must not do that. Worship God. Years ago, uh, when, while I was still in seminary, Rebecca and I were living in Greenville, South Carolina. There was a um, sting operation in Greenville that resulted in uh, a member of a founding family of our church being arrested and spending time in prison for an ongoing sin that is so scandalous I can't even mention the details here. And so the congregation was alerted to this uh, when our pastor I mentioned that there was a, uh, what had happened, it made the news, he was part of a prominent family, and uh, the elders were pursuing discipline with him. And these elders met with this man regularly in prison, and the man repented and wrote a letter to the congregation deep, or early into the sentence, asking for us to forgive him, and, and telling the congregation, it was good that I was caught. It was good that God met me in my sin to stop me. Now that man um, passed away and is with the Lord. He finished the race well. And it's a reminder of God's commitment to those that he calls this banquet. He will not let us remain in our sin, whether it's convicting me of my overreaction to my kids and my anger or convicting this man legally in the middle of a, a heinous sin. We saw in our Declaration of Truth, those that God has called from the foundation of the world, He will not let worship idols. And that's good news as we come to this table. It reminds us of what Jesus Himself said on the, the night He was betrayed. He said about the cup, this is the blood of of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. There's just one of several passages in Scripture that speak of this upcoming event with God and His people. Sinners redeemed because of Christ. So as we come now to Pray before we come to the table. Remind this is the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're a, a believer in Him, if you're resting in Him alone for salvation, not Jesus plus your efforts, this is a table for you. And, and as we think about this past week and or this morning, and you've blown it badly, and you're you're frustrated with yourself, you're wrestling perhaps to admit. To the Holy Spirit, yes, you're right to convict me. If you're struggling and pursuing the fight, this is a table for us to be nourished at. That's why it's so great. Because it's here, God's reminding us, I want you to grow. I'm calling you out of that sin. So believers, this is for you to, to help us to fight the good fight. Children, if you have made a profession of faith in Christ, you have no idea how much that means to your church family. We are thrilled about that. That's a huge praise. If you've not yet met with the elders, though, to share that news, please today let the elements pass. But please today come and see Jason or Travis or me or one of the other elders. 
Dee or John, we want to have you join us. But for now, we ask you to wait. If you're a believer and uh, perhaps you're like that man, that brother who, before that sting operation succeeded, you were content, you are content to play around with that sin because in his case, he thought no one was being hurt. Perhaps for you, it's an issue of finances, the way you're handling that behind the scenes, that your job, perhaps it's what you're looking at online, or a relationship that's moving towards an inappropriate um, connection with someone, and you're, you're really not wanting to give those things up. You know that they're wrong, but you're, you're really enjoying them. Then today, we'd urge you to let the elements pass and ask the Lord Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Please seek out someone after the service. We would love to privately walk with you through this. And if you're, if you're here today and you're not sure you're a believer or you know you're not, then we would also ask you to let the elements pass. And again, see us afterwards. We want you to come. But let's now um, prepare to worship at the table of the Lord's. Um, let's take a moment of silent confession as we prepare to sing and come. Father, we are, are grateful for this great wedding reception that you have called us to belong to. We're grateful, Lord, that even this morning you remind us you are not content to let us remain in our sin. Lord, we, we need you uh, to, to meet us, to interrupt us in our sin, and, and Lord, help us to persevere. Father, think of those particularly who have had an especially tough time recently. That as we come to the table now, Lord, you would encourage them. But Lord, all of us, we need you. And Father, for those who don't know you, we pray you draw them even now. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.